Hey, hey, I'm Frank, and this is Blatant Frankism, a podcast that introduces new perspectives and experiences into the community consciousness and dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations and walks of life. We, the community, are creating our own narrative. Our weekly conversations will reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, and their view of the world. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and your view. Storytelling is resistance. Let's get it. Now, as an educator, I can't do this without an objective in mind. So our objective? No. Our SMART goal for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. Question. Do you run, jog, sprint, marathon, to catch the bus when you see a bug? If you're like me, not only did you not answer, but you had a smart reply just in case I pushed a bit more. Run? For what? Black women ain't running. What about my hair? I ain't got time for that. The fact is, not many of us run because, well, not many of us run. At least we don't see many of us running. But that's changing. According to data provided by Running USA in a 2015 study, women made up 57% of the 17 million U.S. race finishers. That includes, quote, everything from 3.1-mile trots to 26.2-mile marathons. This was, however, a slow shift. Because in 1984, women made up 46% of runners. That's 13% in about 31 years. Now, as far as the presence of black women in running circles, there was very little. As questions regarding the whiteness of running were and are often debated. However, this presence has and continues to increase. Perhaps it was Oprah Winfrey completing the 1994 Marine Corps Marathon. As one witness stated, Aside from her incredible wealth, many women could relate. Oprah had struggled with her weight for years and worked a nonstop job, fighting to find the balance between taking care of herself and her career. When Oprah crossed the finish line, it suddenly occurred to women around the world that we didn't need to be elites to be runners too. So, there was a push for women. Not necessarily just black women, but that was soon to come. Perhaps because, you know, Again, it's just seeing more and more of us. A runner in the 2015 DC Rock and Roll Marathon stated, As the race came to a close and I edged toward the finish line, someone caught my eye. A black woman, her bib indicating that she was running the half marathon, moved determinedly toward the finish line. This woman looked tired. The kind of exhaustion you feel in your bones. The kind that only comes after fighting desperately for something. And exactly the kind that had always kept me from running in the first place. As she neared a group next to me, her family, I assumed, erupted into cheers. Pride radiated off the celebratory group. This huddle of brown-skinned people rooting for one of the few brown-skinned people I'd seen in the race all day. I thought of this woman often when training for my first 10K two years later. I didn't know a single thing about her, except that, like me, she was a black woman who had decided to enter the largely white sport of running. Because of that, I felt a bond. If she could do it. I could do it, and I did. 
You know what? I've been thinking the same thing about myself lately. I have always wanted to run. Um, I just never thought running was for me, you know. But I've been changing that mindset and looking, you know, for a home for my feet. <laughs> now, there are a few groups that focus on running for black women. Good thing I know one of these black women creating running opportunities with and for other black women. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashley Lawson of Run Girl Co. A district running collective crew leader, co-founder, and CEO of Run Girl Co. and RRCA certified running coach, Ashley Lawson has found herself at the forefront of transforming running culture with a specific focus on creating safe spaces and experiences for black women runners to connect and thrive. An Ann Arbor, Michigan native and University of Michigan alum, Ashley has bled maize and blue across D.C. since 2013. When she's not out discovering the newest event venues or connecting with creatives, you'll find her training for her next marathon or snuggled up in front of a TED Talk with a glass of wine. Here's our interview with Ashley Lawson. So, uh, good morning, Ashley Lawson. How are you? Good morning. I am doing really well. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, would you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself that wasn't in the bio? Sure, absolutely. I think uh, the bio pretty much covers the gist of it. You know, I enjoy long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, but not in, in all realness. Um, the bio really does sum it up. Um, I am a very big time sort of runner, community builder, um, as well as sort of producer um, in my work life. I'm uh, really excited to be here chatting with you today, so thanks again for the opportunity and invitation. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me. Um, so, describe uh, the purpose behind um, Run Girl. Uh, what, 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 what motivated you to start doing this? Sure. Uh, I think before I jump into the motivation, I'll just share a little bit about what Run Girl is. Yes. Um, so, Run Girl, we launched um, last April, so April 2018, is a events and digital media platform that's focused on really creating space for black women and distance runners. Um, I think when you think about black women in the running space, we think about incredible African women that are, you know, killing it in the marathon game, or the, you know, the student athletes, the black student, women student athletes that are killing it on the track. So we have this very short distance, and we have these very long distance elite athletes that sort of get a lot of the spotlight, when in actuality, um, especially with myself being one of them, there are a lot of women, just everyday athletes that are out here getting to these miles. Um, And so as I got further and further into sort of this running landscape, this running space, and, you know, the sport itself, um, what myself and and the other co-founders sort of began to notice is that there's just not a lot of talk about black women. There's not a talk about our needs. There's not a lot of talk about our shared experiences. Uh, when I know that when I'm running these races, you know, there's other black women that are running these races right alongside me. You know, we give each other the nod, we keep the movement, there's an added level of encouragement. You just feel really good when you see another black woman that's out there running as well. Um, and so what we wanted to do, what we thought was important, is that we give black women, the everyday athlete, a voice, a space, a home, um, specifically as it's related to running. And so, um, 
that is sort of what Run Girl is, and actually a little bit about why we started. It's just really important to create a space that didn't exist before. Um, one of our taglines, especially as we launched, is it's hard to be what you can't see. Yeah, um, I saw you know, that. We, I saw that. Yeah. I felt that. <laughs> yeah. So if you think about like when you look at blogs and when you look at um, magazines and where sort of media is focused, it's typically on you know white men in split shorts that are like really skinny or like you know um, you know white women with hair and ponytails, but you don't really see black women reflected. But we are here, and so we wanted to create a space just for that. Wow. I really appreciate that. I um, it's looking at um the website. I was looking at um in particular uh, when we, we kind of like describes um three I guess reasonings like the information inspiration celebration part. Sure. Uh, yeah. the, the celebration part is what caught me with so by being committed to highlighting and sharing the challenges and triumphs of Black women distance runners of all levels and from all circumstances, so that any Black woman feels represented. And then I, I looked on the bottom and one of the um statements was about helping black women run their first or best mile ever. Um, how, how difficult is it, um, not just to get started, but to work with folks who are just starting? Because I'm going to be honest, I would love to run. I've just never been a runner, <laughs> you know? So how, how, how difficult or how, or what is it like, you know, beginning the process for people? You know, that's a really great question, and there's obviously no sort of one answer. I think it really depends on an individual's motivations, where they are. Um, if you spend time talking to runners, what you'll find is everybody has a story. Everybody has a reason. Everybody has a motivation. Right. Um, so for myself, it was I was broke, living in Chicago. This is like the height of the recession, um, and I was looking for inexpensive fitness options. So I literally laced up a pair of shoes and started running. For some people, it's to, you know, move through grief. For some people, it is weight loss. So I think it really is about understanding and getting at what a person's motivation is um, and then continuing to remember or remind them why they want to get started. Um, I can't make anybody start running, right? You kind of have to want to do it on your own. But what I can do and what Run Girl aims to do, one of the things that Run Girl aims to do is to give you the tools and the resources with which to do so. So hopefully, right, if, if you're a beginner, you can come to Run Girl, find the resources, find the motivation, see us talking about other women that are doing it, and that will encourage you to then get going, right? Yeah. Um, and then perhaps we'll tell your story as well. Um, so I think it really is about just find, meeting people where they are, um, understanding that people come to the sport for a, a plethora of reasons, um, and really trying to be intentional about highlighting um, all of those people and all of those things um, in our work. Um, so why in your, I don't know how to, if I can frame this differently, um, running and, and the importance you place on it, um, place on it for black women in particular, why, um, why do you feel like, I mean, I guess it's like with other areas, but not always represented, but in running, like running doesn't, doesn't come across if you're not a runner, I would say like, you know, you, you, you see marathons and things like that. And you, and you do see these, these primary, these, these main images. And, and I guess probably the main image that anybody like the go-to image of running would be um, um, like the marathon runner who's kind of like breaking down that last one. Like when you think about running, that's the image I see because that's the image that's always projected. Right. And that's been a long time. So what, what, what has been, I guess, like the birth, the, the burgeoning cry at this point, 
to make sure that we are represented in these spaces? Like, has, is this like a, a new movement or is this just something that you all in particular saw and decided that it was what you needed to do? So, you know, I don't think this is new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, especially if you are a black woman that is a runner, it's something that you always feel. Right. right? Okay. You know, you, you know that when you're as a black person, you know, I'm a black person. Right. I, and I live through these certain experiences that right. sort of are only familiar to black people. And it's very similar um, in, the, in the running space as well. You know, it's a very, like, particular thing. But I would say probably in health and beauty, it's a mm-hmm. very similar thing. Like, right. right? We have these very particular experiences that we want to make sure that we're able to um, put a spotlight to. Um, and so I don't think it's new. I do think it's a new approach to it. So okay. like there are, there's, there's okay. a lot of groups or a couple groups um, that are out there that host weekly meetups and host oh, runs and okay. like things like that. So um, you have your black girls run and you have your black girls hike and then your black girls bike. And then, you know, there's all these different groups that are actually sort of like physically getting out there okay. um, and getting after it in person and creating community that way. We are taking a step back and um, looking at a, at a higher level. And we wanted to not only create sort of community in person through events, but thought it was really important to create this sort of media platform where there's just access to that information, information and celebration there. Um, I think I'm getting away from your question a little bit. No, 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 that's fine. fine. In addition to that, and like (laughs) secondary to that, one of the things we don't always sort of like talk about explicitly, Mm -hmm. um, but one of our biggest goals is one of the things that we are thinking about a lot is health outcomes the health disparities for black women in particular, which is why another reason why this is so important. I, I was just um, thinking so about if, that. If, I'm glad you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, so if we can impact in a positive way sort of health outcomes when you think about heart disease, when you think about diabetes, when you think mm. about obesity that's in our community, um, that's something else that we want to do. So those things are, are, are generational, I think. You know, we think about the mama's house. We think about the foods we are putting mm. into our bodies. We mm-hmm. think about all of those things. Like, how can we um, begin to change that narrative and change the mindset of black women so that we can live healthy, long lives um, of being well? And we just use running as a tool to do that. Um, what do you enjoy the most about your work, Ms. Watson? Um, these are such good questions. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and again, there's no one answer. Um, I would say that, um, one of the things that I, I appreciate the most is being able to, um, create experiences and create this space, um, that is for us and by us, right? right. So there are five other co-founders. Uh, we are a large but mighty team. Um, <laughs> yes, and... you look very fierce on the website. It's very fierce. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but I think we really do find and you know get a lot of joy out of creating this space and being able to actually change the narrative of what running looks like for mm-hmm. the running community in general and Black women in specific. And so I think. You know, across the board, um, each of us sort of works in our own bucket or in our own lane. So we have our content person, we have our social person, we have our branding and design person, PR, partnership. So we all bring something different to the table, which I think works really well, but we're all working towards the same goal. And so I think um, that in and of itself is just something that we all really appreciate and enjoy and 
and the fact that we get to one do it through running which we all um have come to love in our own lives um but then two also get to do it for you know sister girls all over the country and hopefully one day all over the world um yes. really makes it all worth it really makes it all worth it yes 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 all right um can you you talked about um you mentioned a couple of uh, like black girls biking black or hiking mm-hmm. hiking and biking um Mm-hmm. Um, so, so have, what other types of, have you been able to kind of, I guess, create these other contact, contact, like this, it's kind of like, um, health community kind of thing or how, how what is that looking like? Like, I guess, sure. making connections um, so, with other groups. So, um, I would say doing something specifically, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there is an awareness level, okay. right? So I think we are all aware of each other and there has been some outreach and conversation. Oh, okay, and, cool. you know, in terms of like anything coming to fruition as of yet, no. Um, I do think there is a lot of opportunity there, right? So like, one, I think what's interesting and something that, you know, we as black women, we probably don't think about, but, um, the fact that we have to create these spaces is worth conversation, right? So, right. like, why do we have to have groups for this? Why? Right. Like, what is that conversation and what is that story that needs to be told? Right. But then also, eventually, how do we find ways to work together to, like, create this um, space where black women can participate in all of these things and have the tools and resources that they need? Um, so I think there is definitely opportunity and room for collaboration um i know it's something that you know i personally have outreached to as sort of the manager of our manager of our partnerships for red girl i'm interested in 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 looking into further but um, i'm just happy that they exist i'm happy that sort of black women have options so it's not just about running it's not just about hiking it's not just about biking you can really do you know find what works for you find what works for your lifestyle um and you know make it a big part of your life Well, in, in, in creating these spaces and opportunities, what has been the biggest challenge? Um, I think in general, getting the word out is probably the biggest challenge. Um, I think we know what's important to us, but then how do we make other people understand that too? And by other people that can be other organizations, I think more specifically when I think about brands, right? And so, I think that's where we are headed next, but just sort of getting the word out, making a broader audience aware of who we are, what we're doing, why it's important, why they want to be involved, um, and hopefully, ultimately, sort of impacting the way that brands view black women, black women athletes, and then will sort of change the way they operate so that we are seen more. Um, I think a great example of that is when I think about um, sort of like our black women's body type right. so not everyone but we tend to be curvier we tend to be um bustier oftentimes and have trouble finding clothes that fit so by giving these women a voice in understanding our buying power as a black woman as a collective how do we then go to brands and say hey this is what's happening mm. what are you going to do about it right and so that is that actual tangible long-term impact in the space right. that also helps black women get out there so if you if you find a bra that fits and you feel supported you're mm. more likely to work out right or if you're if you're Very tight your leggings if your leggings aren't if your leggings aren't sort of rolling down every every quarter of a mile right you're right. going to be more likely to run farther so how do we start to have those conversations as well that is a, 
I never thought about that aspect of it. It's one of those things where it's, you know, when things, we're just used to operating in the in what's been considered the norm, but it's yeah. not our norm. So how do we get these other outside entities to cater to, to understand, to want to support what is our norm, which might be different from somebody else's, and, and it is different from sort of like the, the majority. All right, all right. Um, I saw from a uh, Facebook posting that you are working on something about you know, creating spaces on YouTube for, for other creatives. Um, is that something you can talk about? or? Yeah, okay. sure. So um, outside of running, or let me back up a little bit even further, um, in the last sort of four to five years, what I have learned about myself is that Everything I do, whether it's with work or running and just in life in general, it, it all ties back to and goes back to representation. Yeah. Representation for people of color, representation for black women especially, um, representation for people with different levels of um, ability. Um, and so what I have been fortunate to do in the last three or so, so years is build um, a career or sort of work for myself around creating spaces and around representation. Um, and so I'm working currently with a um, creative agency that's here in D.C. called Creative Theory, and literally all of our work is focused on diversity and inclusion. Um, and it manifests itself in you know a number of different ways, whether it's creating content for social media, whether it's copywriting, um, whether it's design. Um, but in this particular case, um, we have, we were, the project is, is at this point wrapped up um, as of last week, but we had the opportunity to work with YouTube um, on some of their diversity programming. And so mm-hmm. what that means is we created experiences for their creators, some of their top creators that are on the platform um, in the, for those under, underrepresented groups. So it's their black creators, it's their Asian creators, it's their Latino creators, and it's their LGBTQ creators. Um, and so it really just is a unique opportunity to, um, again, create spaces. It's hard to be what you can't see and, and bring these communities together um, and show support of them in the work that they're doing on the platform. So really cool opportunity. There's this huge conference last week in um, Anaheim, California called VidCon. So there's all anything and everything video um, is there. You're probably a little bit more familiar with this than I am, but this Gen Z video stuff is an incredible phenomenon, and it's crazy to see. Um, but it was cool to be able to create, hopefully, what was very impactful moments for these underrepresented groups and creators. That is completely dope, and I'm going to be looking into that more. Yeah, I, if you don't have a YouTube channel, get one. I do. TikTok, I TikTok, do. Get one. Like, I do. I'm things. trying to figure out what to do with it. I, I, honestly, I do. I have you one. Know, what I have learned, and, and actually, what one of the creators told me is that people will watch anything. So you just do it. You do it consistently. Somebody hey. will find you, and somebody will watch you, and then you can monetize it. It's a thing. I, I tell I'm, you, I'm I know. Ashley, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I some I, I tell people this all the time. Like you know. Kids now watch other kids on YouTube play with toys. Yes. yes. Yep. They just and watch that, them play with toys, yes. like the same toys they have. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one particular, I'm sure you're talking about the one particular kid. He makes a whole lot of money. I'm talking tens of millions of dollars a year 
doing that. That's and so crazy. Like, you really can create a space. For, and what's, what I think is cool about it is when we talk about representation and we talk about underrepresented groups is that, like, you don't have to create content for anybody but those people who it makes sense to create content for, right? Like, right. you're not put into any kind of bucket. You can do what makes sense for you and who you are. And it can still be a thing. And so that's what I, one of the things that I do really love about YouTube is that they care about all of their creators. They want to support all of their creators, but you really can do just about anything on that platform um, and give it a voice and a space um, to be seen and heard. Thank you, Ashley. I need to go. Yeah. I need to go. Get to it, Franklin. Hey, now. I need to, I need to subscribe. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, and I need to, and I need to run, so we'll talk. Um, so we're we're coming up to the end of the formal portion of this, and I'll explain the next part in a minute. But just Uh-oh. one last <laughs> one last thing, one last question. Um, I think I kind of know. What just what is what? What do you want your legacy to be? This is such a big question. Uh, I bet my answer changes every single time. Um, but it's somewhere in the realm of I hope to do work that inspires people to be their best selves. Um, and by people, I mean underrepresented people, most specifically, again, black women. So I yep, I really am here to hopefully, through my work and the things that I do, inspire other women to do um, and accomplish whatever it is that they feel like they want to. All right. And if I can help them along the way, I'm definitely down for that, too. All right. All right. Well, that does indeed conclude the formal <laughs> portion of the interview. Um, you so, tell me about this, Franklin. This is true. So, um, one of the things that I've always believed um, is that things like music, food, and sports unite us. Right? Um, okay. You can, you know, we have our differences, but if we can, you know, you, you often find yourselves in these spots with people who you don't agree with. You may not know you don't agree with them, but you know, everybody, all these different ideologies and thoughts and beliefs and feelings, you know share spaces and yep. you know and, and i think around things like this again it kind of brings people together and so i have six questions for you but i need you first to give me five numbers between one and 69 oh um three okay 22 okay 43 43 okay and 57 57 one two Three, four. I need one more. Uh, one. Okay. And then I need one more number between one and twenty-six. Mm. Six. Six. All right. So, number one, what is your favorite cuisine? Ooh, my favorite cuisine, as in like a, uh, I don't know what the word is. Food. A type, type of, of food. food. Yes. Um. Question number two is actually cake or pie, but you chose number three. So, thinking about yeah. whether you like cake or pie, what are your top two favorites? Of cake or pie? Yeah. Um, ooh, that's another good question. So, I am red velvet all day mm-hmm. um, with, a, with a good uh, buttercream frosting. That's me. Um, pie, I'm less of a pie kind of girl, but I'll do, I'll do a good peach cobbler. Like oh, oh, yes. A good okay. cobbler, good peach cobbler. I did it. I did it. Um, so the red velvet just kind of threw me for a minute because I was thinking, I was thinking it's chocolate, but 
but it's red and you don't know. It, it, it's it kind of like it's kind of like Ariel. Okay. It's kind of like the new Ariel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Question twenty-two. Who is your favorite character? That could be from a book, from a movie, from whatever. Oh man. Um, I'm just not really great at this pop culture stuff. My favorite character. songs from your teenage years that you still rock out to? <laughs> One of my favorite songs from my teenage years. Yeah. Another probably really random one, because I don't know why I love this song as like, a young person, um, but Zion by Lauryn Hill. Okay. It's a good choice. Good choice. I don't know why. It's, it's like kind of like a sad song. It's not something you rock out to, but I love that song. Hey. I, used to, I, think I, just loved, I think I just love the thing it, like felt it. Just whether or not it's appealing to the ears or not. So, all right. And f- let's see, hold on. 50, 57. Oh, what's your favorite sport to watch? Oh, college football. Okay, college football. College football. Go blue, huh? You know, I went to, you know, go blue. You know, I went to, you know, a big college football school. So. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Gotcha. All right, and the last question. Ah, what did you get into the most trouble for with your parents as a kid? Um, so I have to say I was a pretty good kid, but <laughs> I was really, really, really messy. So I think that would be the thing. I would, I would leave messes everywhere. My room, my bedroom would be like a disaster zone. Um, my mother we used to come in and just sweep everything and clean up the floor and they clean it up. That's how bad it got. I shared, I shared a bedroom at one point with both of my sisters, and my mom finally figured out it was me because it was both times the room was always mess and it was my fault. So that was that was probably the biggest thing. But other than that, I was I was pretty good, pretty good kid. Well, Ashley Lawson, um, I appreciate you for doing this for me today. Um, this was fun. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Um, is there something you'd like to uh, promote or plug before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. Um, I think if you are in the D.C. area, come check me out at District Running Collective. So our social is at District Running Collective. Obviously, please check out Run Girl, www.rungirl.co, and at Run Girl Co. on social. Um, and finally, check me out. Uh, you can find me at Ashley Simone, A-S-H-L-E-E, Simone.com, as well as at Ashley Simone, same spelling on Instagram. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Franklin. This was so much fun. It was fun for me, too. I'll be in touch. Take care. Take care. I want to thank Ashley for joining us this week. If you've ever had the fire desire, drive, interest, curiosity, or inkling of a push to run. Check out Run Girl. Take a chance. Who knows what your running story will be.
All right. This week's independent practice or food for thought is my own personal independent practice. I'm not going to hold you for long, just a couple of thoughts. You know, in thinking about what Ashley and her co-founders have created, it's an opportunity for, you know, black women to <laughs> just find another way to be free. Free of all the expectations and, 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 and trappings and, and categorizing and silos and every other placeholder that um, society will have us be bound by. Recently, I have, you know, discovered my own sense of freedom. Not fully into it yet, but, you know, I am well along in my personal journey. And I encourage anyone out there listening to, you know, follow their heart if they feel it guiding them in a certain direction. A lot has happened for me. Um, some very painful things, but also some very uplifting things. And so, again, I encourage you to follow your path, you know. I have um, recently begun to very seriously and intentionally um, cultivate <laughs> my relationship with the universe and I'm very grateful for what it is providing me with and so I leave you with that the universe it is as you are as we all are alright let's take a break May was Mental Health Awareness Month, and the last time I posted a show. As it was the fifth month and there were five weeks, my intent was to deliver five mental health awareness tips each week. I stopped at 15. I'm concluding this week with five additional tips, as well as a personal tip for emotional well-being that I think is worth the five others. This week's tips are, one, practice forgiveness. Wouldn't you want it? Two, surround yourself with good people. Don't you want to be around folks like you? You should. Three, exercise. You know, let all that, that stress out. <laughs> Four, learn to say no. Boundaries. They provide more freedom than you would expect. And five, or perhaps the true number one, listen to Bill Nye, the science guy. And if I have to explain this one, then we are all in big trouble. <laughs> as for my personal tip, as I've said, I've begun to develop my relationship with the universe to understand who I am from the core. My tip for those who find themselves searching for something more than they can truly explain like me is to do the same <laughs> like me even if you're not sure or you're skeptical about what that means at least have your natal chart done you know start somewhere and go from there maybe you'll find something like I did which will prepare you for it maybe you won't it's just a suggestion 
Feel free to use, not use, adopt, adapt, share each tip as you see fit. I didn't make them all up, but I am sharing. Sharing is caring, y'all. We're a community. (laughs) All right. So let's start closing this week out. Your homework for this week is to hashtag build a table. What spaces are you entering? Who are you showing up for? And what are you going to do? Ashley and her co-founders didn't just build a table. They built a track. More importantly, they framed the world as a track for all women of color, especially black women. Let's run, y'all, in whatever fashion suits you. Now, tell me about it. As an educator, I do have an open-door policy. Get at me. On the web, you can do it at www.blatantfrankism.com. That's www.blatantfrankism.com. On email at blatantfrankism at gmail.com. That's the letter B, L-A-T-A-N-T-F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M at gmail.com. And on Twitter and Instagram at blatantfrankism. That's right. The letter B. L-A-T-A-N-T-F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M. As for the Powerball, we didn't win way back when, and <laughs> we haven't won. But we're going to keep playing. Today's Powerball numbers are 1, 3, 22, 43, 57, and the Powerball is 6. As it was back then, it is now. If you win, pay it forward or put it back into the community. Now, I want to thank my sponsor, <laughs> the same sponsor I've had, Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. If you have a, a need for some paraphernalia for a family event, a work event, a social event, a special event, an internal event, an external event, any kind of event, anything you need, whether you're wearing it or sharing it, <laughs> get it, Crafty Nubian Sister. That's C R A F T E E. N-U-B-I-A-N-S-I-S-T-A-H Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. Today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. All right. That's it for this week. Get at me.